Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they said. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Palm Sunday, it's hard to resist finding that perfect song so that we can wave our branches. It's just what we do, right? But we've been going through this season of Lent, and, you know, maybe for some of you it's hard. Where's Billy? I get worried when I don't see Billy. How we doing, Robin? Are you doing all right? Because last week she told me she was doing good, and behind her back, Billy was like, it's been close. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Thomas was real good yesterday when he got the bread basket all to himself at Little Italy. Yeah. I think the woman thought there was something wrong with me. And and then when we we just had a few left, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to take those home. She goes, oh, I'll go get you some extra. I didn't touch that bag, by the way. When we got up to leave, I looked at him. I said, your rolls are on the table. I'm not carrying that bread for you. Then we got home, and he didn't put them in the refrigerator. And I said, you know they'll go bad, and I'll feed them to the dogs. I don't care. You know, so I feel you. I feel you, Robin. I'm good. I just don't know about everybody else around me, right? So we've been going through Lent. And Joe told me Wednesday that my messages out of the Sermon on the Mount been a little tough, you know, like we've had some good doozy ones out of there, right? Yet, I want you to know today, because we love to shout Hosanna and wave our branches, but while we shout it, I want you to understand. I don't want us to overlook this morning what it really means, and especially in the context of what we're reading today. Hosanna, Lord, please save us. This was a plea for rescue from the Jews, all right? As Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, this wasn't just wave them and dance and have fun like we did. We know the whole story. They didn't. They were honestly pleading for rescue 
from the Romans. The people that day, it wasn't songs of joy. It was songs of liberation. They were oppressed people who needed a savior, a real physical savior. I couldn't help but as I studied this week on this lesson to think of the people in the Ukraine. As I've been staying in contact with Z on there and her stories and and just praying over her, I know that no one understands today like they do. Lord, please save us. And if we're not careful today, we can gloss over the reality of this moment. And we rush to the celebration of Easter. If we're not careful, we'll gloss over our own realities this morning and the suffering and the pain and our need for a Savior. So in our rush to celebrate, let's not totally gloss over what Hosanna is. Let's not totally forget that it was a desperate cry for a Savior that we still need in our world today. Now, Jesus was an unusual king. You have to understand, and, and, you know, we've preached this before. If you've been in the church in any time link, you, you've heard these messages that, you know, the normal procession. So in, in the Roman cities, in Rome, if there was a victory, there would be a traditional procession that would come into town and it would have a certain order. So in the beginning of that procession, you would have all the government officials coming in. And then you would have all the sacrificial animals it would take to go and pay their respect to the gods the Romans served. And then the champion, the victor, the one who was deemed the, the one who was deemed the hero of the story. He would enter in and usually dressed in purple on a big steed on a horse, right? And then the captives of war, anyone that was captive of war, they would be coming at the tail end of the procession. But don't we love Jesus? He does things so different. Instead of Rome, he's entering into Jerusalem. And instead of a grand victor, he was marching to his death. He knew this. You see, the crowd screaming and hollering, they didn't know this, but he knew what he was coming into Jerusalem for. He knew the time had come. And finally, instead of a big grand horse, he came riding in on a little donkey. My little donkey. I'm so sorry Jackson missed this day. He loves my little donkey. He still thinks it's his donkey, by the way. Jackson still claims the picture on my wall. (laughs) I printed him off. I don't know, Shelly, if he ever showed you. I printed him off his own little picture of it so he could have his own version of the donkey. You know, we think of donkeys as lowly service animals. Like, you know, you plow the garden, they carry things for you, they do all the hard stuff. And wives, stop looking at your husbands. Wait, yeah. Barrett, stop, or you're both going to be up here now. All right? But you see, we have to understand, that's what we think in the Western world. In the Eastern world, donkeys actually held special favor. Like, they were still considered an animal that could be used by the royalty. All right? And so the difference is that to ride in on a horse would have showed power, strength, right? 
almost like an act of war, like Jesus would have been coming in going, something's fixing to happen. But to come in on the donkey would mean peace. Donkeys were considered an animal that would show peace. And how fitting, since we know Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Now, are you catching that everything that Jesus did was different? From the very beginning, he was born where? In a stable, right? How he lived was totally different than everybody around him. And soon he was going to be dying a death that was different, and yet it was his purpose. His ministry confused all the Jewish leaders. Like, he was a a Jewish rabbi who knew the law, yet he healed on the Sabbath. He ministered to Gentiles who they thought didn't have a place in God's kingdom. He humanized and gave worth to women in a culture that they didn't have any value to them. Everything Jesus did was different, but it always had meaning. It always had purpose. Now, after Thomas bought me this uh, painting a couple of weeks later on Twitter, I came across this woman who loves donkeys and loves Jesus. I mean, Jackson would love her. Like, she, she all the time is talking. She's got donkeys. She's putting pictures. I shared my picture with her. But what caught my attention that day was this phrase that she used. She said, what this world needs is more donkeys and fewer show horses. Her name is Rachel Ann Ridge. She's an author and an artist. And I just pondered on that statement for days. Like when I first saw this picture, the very first thing I thought of was Balaam's donkey. You know, just so cute and like he could speak at any moment. But when I read that, I I messaged her and I said, I'm going to hang this in my wall, in my office on the wall with this picture. This is what this picture means to me. Because that's exactly what Jesus would tell us. So when we get a picture of what that means, a donkey, the world needs more donkeys. And again, stop it, husbands and wives. All right? Peace. And yeah, donkeys are good for work. <laughs> Show horses, we, we just look good, right? But a donkey gets in the garden and he gets the job done for us, Right? We need more donkeys in the world and less show horses. We we often miss the kingdom of God in our midst today in the same way that the Jews missed it in that crowd that day when Jesus came into Jerusalem. Because, see, they missed it. They missed it. Why? Because... We, we still, we're, even today, we, we want to cry, Hosanna, God save us, right? Maybe you've prayed those prayers. God, I need you. You see, these Jews, though, they were looking for God to save them from who? The Romans. God, save us from the government. That's what they were crying out that day. 
God, save us from the government. And, and yet within days of this, they're going to cry crucify. How quick the tides can turn. You know, I believe we always should be praying for the leaders of our country. I believe that that is what we're called to do. And we see time and time again in God's word where he will move the hearts of our leaders. Even the pagan leaders, by the way. Go back to those stories where Pharaoh let the people go. Even though he changed his mind later, for that moment, God moved his heart. But church... The problem is not our government. Now, I know that's, that's a tricky statement this morning, but you see, here's the deal. We are seeing a decline in the church in America. And it has nothing to do with our government. I will stand on that statement all day long. We are seeing a decline. Why? Because God's people are falling asleep. God's people are falling asleep. Somebody elbow the person next to you that's asleep right now. There you go. Now, pastor, pastor, wait a minute. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're right. That is 100% right. But if you're a Christian... You're going to want to be in church. Not necessarily this church. I am never one to say this is the only place to be. But if you are a Christian, you're going to want to be with the body of believers because that's the church. And we're not called to be alone. We are called to live. Go to Acts chapter 2. You will find the beginning of the church. And they lived life together daily. Y'all have a problem getting here one day a week? They got together every single day and worshiped. Wow. Wow. Hosanna. God save us. Have you ever had God speak something to you so clear, so direct, you just knew it was his word, his voice, but it was also so startling that all you could say was, oh, snap. I had that moment this week as I was um, sitting, I actually had not got out of bed yet, and I was just kind of running the message through my head. This is what I do. I just sort of lay there in the quiet, and I'll start running things through my head that I've been studying on. And God just spoke this to me, that the government is not the problem. Church, Jesus did not come to change the government or the system. You see, that's why they're waving their branches that day, because they thought he's come to finally set us free. And that wasn't an unfounded thought, right? You look through the history of the Israelites and, and they got in trouble and, and, you know, they would cry out to God and God would send somebody and, and they would rescue them. And that's what they're thinking the Messiah is going to do again. But also, if you go back and you look at those stories, when does God usually step in? When there's a change in their hearts. When there's a repentance from the people. You see, Jesus didn't come to change our government. Jesus came to change your heart. 
Jesus came to set you free from sin. He came to show us what different looks like. Now, when all of those changes start to happen in the individuals, you better believe it's going to change the world around us. You better believe it's going to change how the government runs and how the people work together. But it starts here in each of us. And church, the government is not the problem. The problem is we're declining because we're not living like Jesus called us to live. And I'm talking to the church. We're not living like Jesus called us to live. And when we're not living that different life, there's nothing the world sees that is appealing to them. Hmm. What was the, you probably saw on Facebook, there was a little meme that went around of, do people hate you because of Jesus or do people hate Jesus because of you? Ouch, that one stuck me this week. That one kind of, that was a tough one. You see, we're called to be different. We're called to live a holy life. We're called to live the way Jesus lived. The problem is you're too scared the government's going to take away your right to come to church or you're scared that, the, that, that you can't read your word in public or you can't speak the name of Jesus. Why are you so scared? Because you're not doing it now. They can't take away a right if you're not using a right. You want to you know when a government does get scared? When God's people start living the way they're supposed to. I'm not saying we won't see hard times in America. But it will not change who my God is. It will not change who Jesus Christ is. Because right now, evil is decimating the country of Ukraine. And it has not changed who the church is. So I want us always praying for our leaders. But I want us to remember what Hosanna really is about. You see, Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, not to set them free from Rome, but to set them free from sin. Church, what, what's easier? What is easier for you to say when you're praying? Lord, could you change the hearts of our leaders? Could you change the hearts of the country? Or Lord, change my heart. What is the scarier prayer there? What is the scarier prayer? Because we ignore our own deep need for a liberation. And and we ignore that we need to surrender to transformation. And we ignore it. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. When I, when I open altars up at the end and, and nobody comes, why? It's because you're scared of what people might think about you. I've been there. I've done that. You're scared that people are going to know that my life ain't perfect. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling in my finances. I'm struggling with 
pornography. I'm struggling with addiction. I'm struggling. You fill in the blank. You see, this season of Lent is not about how strong we are. It's about how weak we really are. It's about we need a Savior. Hosanna. God save me. Because I can't control everybody else. I I can't control how they treat me, what they say about me. I can't even control, I, I try, I vote, I can't control Washington. It's, it's like a car with no brakes and a full tank of gas, it feels like some days. All I can control is God change me. Bo, I want you to, to pull up, oh, come to the altar again, and, and church, stand with me today, and this time I want you to wave your branches for a different reason. You see, we, we started out in joy and just exuberation, and, and, and I feel that. Like I'm a week away, and this, this fasting is done, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice. But today, for this moment, I want you to wave this for a different reason. God, I need a Savior. Where do you fall short today? Go ahead and you can start music, Bo. I'll talk over. Where do you fall short today, church? Where do you feel a need? Where do you feel God tearing down walls in your life? Trying to speak something different in you. Where is God calling you to work in the kingdom? Jesus is calling. Where is God calling you to surrender today? As this song plays, altars are open. And yes, I'm not a dummy. God works in the pews. I pray every week, God, go up and down these pews. Have your way and your will with every person in here and speak to them. But sometimes there's a moment of surrender. This says, God, you're not working like I thought you was. But I surrender all that I have to you. Use me, Lord. Change me. You want to see a difference in our community, in our state, in our nations? It starts here with you and I today. Come to the altar if he's speaking to you this morning.
I just pray all hearts are clear today, Lord. But God, even as we leave this place, as we go and we fellowship, I pray that your spirit will continue to speak to every heart in this room, every heart online this morning. God, even in the tough places, the places that maybe we keep pushing inside, we don't want to deal with that. Not yet. Not yet. Today's the day. Today is the day of salvation. Father, if there's anyone here in this room today or online with us live right now, I just pray that if they've never accepted Jesus, today is that day of surrender. Father, someone maybe today, you've been running for a long time from a call to, to work in ministry. You still call people to ministry today, Lord. May they say yes. Without knowing the plan, without knowing how it all works out, may they say, yes, I know I have a call. Father, for the ones that are struggling with marriages this morning, finances, may they surrender to you. Because the way they've been doing things, it hasn't been working. So may they try something different by allowing you to lead often, Father, forgive us that we want to walk side by side and even ahead of you. But may we give you the lead today. And may you hear our hearts cry, Hosanna. God, save me. And Lord, may it change a whole community today because of that cry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.